Welcome to The Experts Speak, a product of the Florida Psychiatric Society. I'm Abby Strauss, and thank you for listening. A psychiatrist friend of mine introduced me to today's guest. I was told that he was a very articulate young man who could speak with a great deal of insight into what his life has been like as someone who was suffering from depression. Once I spoke to him, I agreed with my friend. William Story is 25 years old, and he bravely comes to the microphone today to talk about what depression has been like for him with the hope that other people will hear what he has to say and to do what they can do to address that problem problem if it also exists in their life. It's important to note that some of the things that he did may or may not be appropriate for other people, and the ultimate treatment decisions have to be done as a result of the discussion between the patient and the doctor. Mr. Story, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Okay, let me ask you, sir, do you remember how old you were, what it was like when you first began to feel depression? Did you even know what it was? What did you do? What was it like? I was very young when what I think could clinically diagnosed depression first started showing up in me. So young, in fact, that I don't think depression was considered a legitimate diagnosis option for me for a few years. And that was probably fourth grade, so I would have been like 10 or 11 at the time. It came about because up until 2001, which was two years prior to this, I had lived in Maine. I had grown up in Brunswick, Maine, and my mother got a job offer down here in Macon. So we uprooted and came to Macon, Georgia. And the radical shift in the environment, along with a number of other factors that are that would take far too long to get the full picture, but this is like one of the big points. It created these intense feelings of isolation. I talked differently from everyone else. I already had some attentional problems due to what was later diagnosed as a combination of ADHD and Asperger's disorder order or autism spectrum. And as a result of all of these factors, I ended up being sort of ostracized, not necessarily bullied, but not really well accepted by my class. And my parents sort of viewed it as my problem, or at least that's how I felt they felt. I imagine they were trying to do far more than I saw. I couldn't see it, and I was too young to really understand most of what was going on. I just felt miserable. I hated everything. I was not necessarily suicidal, but I really didn't want to be alive. Like, I didn't want to get up in the morning. I didn't want to go anywhere. I didn't want to do anything. I had no passion. I had no motivation. I had very few friends, and the few that I managed to make always seemed to end up moving to different places and leaving me alone. And this is still when you're in elementary school and middle school? Yep, elementary school. We're not even hitting middle school yet. This is a long, long-running pattern. It's kind of fascinating, I guess, from a clinical perspective, just because like it started so young and continued so persistently. What it does to how one thinks is an interesting sort of idea for me personally, at least. But it was an awful situation that seemed to grow worse over time. It got a little bit better when I moved schools. That would have been about the end of sixth grade, the beginning of seventh grade, and continued to improve from there. I performed really well. I was a very high-functioning student, uh, you know, the, the traditional straight A's routine, well-liked by my teachers, well-liked by my peers, up until ninth grade, first year in high school, in which I had my first bout of major depressive disorder. 
hospitalization was considered for me at that time, but ruled out based on my own attitudes towards hospitalization and my perception of the stigma associated with it. It was deemed that it would be more harmful than helpful to me based on those dynamics, but I did end up not even completing that year's schooling. I had to repeat the ninth grade when I finally started to recover a little bit, and I never really fully recovered from that period in terms of like how I thought. Were people more supportive of you at that time? Did your parents and others better understand the depression, or was some of the shame more from within yourself only? It was a mixed bag. My father was always fairly supportive throughout these years. But the big issue for me at that period of time was not really my parents. They were fairly supportive overall during that period, as was the therapist that I had. It was instead the way schools treated me or the school that I had attended and really thrived in up until this point. They were not particularly helpful as I was experiencing my episode out of school. And then when I came back the next year, they treated me with something close to hostility, really, a problem student rather than one of their stars. Were they more afraid of you or they just didn't understand you? I don't think afraid is quite the right word. I think viewed as a nuisance would be better. I remember very vividly sometime it would have been a little more than halfway through my repeat of the ninth grade. I gotten into an argument with a geometry professor because at least, and this is how I remember it, of course, I can't guarantee that this is perfectly accurate, but basically I had had the flu and was out for two weeks, something along those lines, maybe a little more. And upon coming back, I was told by my geometry professor that I would have to complete that exam within the next day or he would just mark it as a failed grade. And that sort of pissed me off. Like, really? Come on now. I haven't even had a chance to review the material. I felt like I was dead for the past few weeks. Apparently, he interpreted that argument in a very hostile way and reported it to the principal. Fast forward a week, and I was just finishing up in a photography class, and that was the last class of the day. And the principal and vice principal, the, the vice principal specifically called me to talk to him about something, and I was like, all right, sure. Brought him to his office where he and the principal greeted me, shut the door. There were no lights on with the exception of his desk light, and they proceeded to sort of rip into me regarding my behavior and the expectations that they held towards me as a student and how I was acting in a way that risked the safety of my fellow students and threatened to expel me if they had any more problems. So where do you think as best as you can conjure up where do these attitudes come from? And I'm not looking to impeach those teachers in particular, but do you think it was more of a global community issue towards people who have had a history of depression or something else? 
I think it's a combination of factors. I think that mental health is very heavily stigmatized in today's society. It's sort of used as a scapegoat politically for any series of problems that people don't want to actually talk about. Anytime there's any sort of criminal activity or mass shootings or other horrific events, mental health is used as the sole reason that those things occur, and so it creates a very negative stereotype for them. Beyond that, there is a very colored perception, at least the city that I live in or my exposure to the city that I live in, regarding mental health issues. They're sort of seen as something to be kept to yourself, I guess. No community support or anything. Instead, it becomes something to be vilified for, almost. And this even in a larger society that seems to be discussing much more openly the reality of mental health and the fact that it is not dangerous and most of the time can be fixed and so on. You still felt this in in your community. Absolutely. Your, shall we say, more personal, intimate group of friends and family in helping you with this, supporting you with this, fighting for you, where were they? My parents did what they could. My mother, I don't think, completely understood it, but she still tried as best she could, which is all that can really be asked. Of course. Because if I have the opportunity, I would I'll sort of explain my thoughts on depression itself. I do want to get to that. My father also helped as best he could. I didn't really have very many close friends, though. Due to my own history with depression, I, I always had a great deal of difficulty making friends. I mean, my other conditions obviously exacerbate that issue. It meant that I didn't really have much of a support group apart from direct family, and it was not a pleasant thing. You just mentioned some thoughts about the notion of depression or the cause of depression. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can we go to that for a few minutes, please? Certainly. My way of seeing depression or understanding depression is I, this is a bit reductionistic, but I think that the analogy will hold. I view it sort of as an autoimmune disease of the mind, basically. By my own inner model of depression as an illness, as a condition, it's a response to stimuli. One becomes depressed because of something, isn't like depressed in a vacuum. The depression, the way the brain treats it, is that it develops a certain set of thought patterns. I believe cognitive behavioral therapists call them cognitive distortions that seem to be fairly common throughout those who who suffer from depression. These sort of twisted thought patterns act as self-defense mechanisms that end up doing substantial harm. They're trying to reduce the amount of damage that negative emotions are doing to you, or at least that's how I see it. Things like assuming the worst in everything so that you aren't let down or disappointed in some extreme way, generally because you have had that kind of disappointment or that sort of feelings of of failure or fault so often that it becomes easier to just always be in that state than to experience the drop, basically, from normal to not, from up to down. It sort of like ends up training you to think in some very specific ways to avoid pain. Interesting. Interesting. So when you look at yourself, how would you, if you can, if you may not be able to, but if you can, proportion that part which is the etiology of your depression from situational and biological, and I I know they're going to be overlaps. Yeah. When you talk about the autoimmune, that's a very interesting graphic, so to speak. And in some respects, it makes sense. I'd like your thoughts. 
Basically, it's an autoimmune disease ends up coming about when the immune system has a series of antibody cells that become active against parts of, the own, of your own body, and then those parts of the body become harmful. I consider depression to sort of be a, an almost mental equivalent in which basically one who is predisposed or begins to suffer from a depressive episode experiences so many negative things like problems, major sources of not necessarily trauma, but emotional discomfort in a consistent way that it sort of starts to turn the way you think against you by training you into these very specific mindsets, these so-called cognitive distortions, ideas of like catastrophizing, wherein you start to take something bad that happens or something bad that may happen and then blow it completely out of proportion into a complete, like, it's not even a worst-case scenario. It becomes like an almost fantastic series of horrible events. It's not really based in any what can actually happen, but for somebody who's depressed, it absolutely is what can happen and what will happen. It's a belief in that sort of mentality, and that happens because then when it doesn't happen, you get to feel not quite as miserable. You're preparing yourself for the worst so that if the actual, like, realistic worst, you still feel better about it in a way because it's not your perceived worst, if that makes sense. Oh, it does. In your own personal experiences, obviously it sounds as if the depression has been recurrent and with you more than not. Do you, mm -hmm. do you have the sense that you're going to be burdened or plagued by this forever? I consider it sort of yes and no, I guess. So the patterns of thought that are brought about by sort of having a depressive mindset, by experiencing a depressive episode, by my own understanding of it at least, does predispose one to experiencing it again. Once you have thought that way before, it's much easier to fall into the same patterns of thinking in the future. That's just sort of an unfortunate reality of depression. Even if you manage to beat it back once, enough bad things happen or bad things that happen in specific ways might spark those old patterns of thought and then you have to deal with breaking out of them again. But I also think that it gets easier over time as you have more experiences to draw from to fight back those negative expectations, those negative feelings. And as you become more aware of what is going on, you gain more power in trying to deal with it, trying to contextualize what's going on, trying to adapt rather than have to fall apart and pick yourself back up again. It sounds as if you have come to see it as a very cognitive, philosophic, maybe existential problem that needs to be dealt with in your experience. And people listening, I'm sure, are going to ask, what benefit, what effect, what role might the biological interventions have? Medications or ECT or anything like that? So, based on my understanding, one cannot deal with the sort of negative thought patterns of depression while experiencing the worst effects of depression, because depression does have a very significant biological aspect. Once you enter that sort of negative mindset, you create within yourself or your brain starts to work in different ways and ways that are problematic and start to reinforce your own thought patterns rather than allow for the capacity to do anything about it. And it is medication, it is treatment that allows for one to deal with those symptoms to enough of the degree for 
for therapy to actually do its job, for you to actually be able to adapt, to learn new coping mechanisms, to understand how you reach the point you're at and what you can do about it, to, to try and correct the problem that you find in yourself or that others that are causing you to not be able to do what you can, what you ideally could, because well, it's not that you can now, it's that you can't, and that's the problem. Your discussion here just dovetails perfectly with the notion that most depressions require cognitive and medications in, in different proportions, perhaps, but I like the way you, you phrase it, that the medications allow you to do the cognitive work, if I'm saying that correctly. Absolutely. Good. If someone is beginning to feel depressed, what would you tell them? You've experienced it for 10, 15 years of your life. What would you tell them? Mm -hmm. Give them a starting point, please. The first thing I think that's important to remember, and a big part of the problem is depression is a mindset. And so trying to battle a mindset is an incredibly difficult thing to do, especially for from someone within oneself especially for someone position, you know, that they find in which everything around them in life seems to make them fall more into that same pattern. Like things just seem to keep going wrong. But that's in part what depression does. It makes you focus only on those negative things. But that's not all that's there. And a large part of those horrible, awful things keep happening. You may not be as powerless as you think. I tend to think that the most important aspect in trying to get better, to feel better, to, to be able to do things again, is a combination of identifying why you have entered the position that you are in. Why is it you are currently feeling depressed? What started it? Because if you can understand the source, you can do something about that source. You can make it at least possible to try and move to separate yourself from whatever is causing those emotions. Because if you can't like separate yourself from what is consistently causing a depressive episode, then you're never going to be able to do anything about that depressive episode. The next is that it does get easier. I know this is sort of like a, a very cliche thing to say. It's all about momentum in my mind. If you can find an opportunity to do something and stay doing that, whatever it is, working out every day, changing your diet to lose a little weight, learning a new skill, going back to class, something you can do that you can do consistently and prove to yourself that you can do something. Well said. Well said. William Story is a 25-year-old man who has experienced, obviously, a great deal of the world of depression, and he's obviously given a fair amount of very good thought in trying to put it to a very good set of conceptualizations. There's a lot to learn from you, sir. I wish we had more time. I want to thank you for joining us. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you.